0: Welcome to the Lindsay Hadley Podcast Show. I'm coming to you from the North Shore of Oahu, where weekly I interview some of the world's most inspiring people from business, philanthropy, and entertainment. I love collecting humans, and these are some of my favorites I've found along the way. This podcast is brought to us by Capita Financial Network. Do you need help with the next steps of your financial plan? Think Capita. Capita is a financial network built around you. They have a team of financial advisors, CPAs, state attorneys, Medicare providers, and social security experts to help you accomplish your financial goals. Call or schedule a complimentary consultation at 801-566-5058 or visit their website at You can also check out their financial education podcast, The Financial Call, available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and YouTube. Hi, welcome to the Lindsey Hadley Podcast Show, brought to you by Capital Financial Network. Today, I'll be co-hosting with my dear friend, Jess Larson. Hope you enjoy the show. Capital Financial Network is so pleased to sponsor the Lindsey Hadley Show, which often you and I will partner together for innovation and leadership to share some amazing thoughts of incredible people and their stories, including our guest, Manti Teo, who I had the unbelievable privilege of interviewing recently in a conference um, in Utah, the M3 conference that our friends at Sandlot put on and uh Manti came on the stage and it was funny i like i had some notes you know and i had some things ready and i had my phone in case i need my notes but he made me feel so like we were just hanging out like a bunch of bros in Hawaii um that it really came off uh naturally and I, I had such a great experience and and people really uh just kind of came up to me afterwards and said my gosh that was that really impacted me thank you so much and they said do you have a podcast can you think you'll have him on a podcast? I was like, actually, funny you say that. We're about to launch this next week. So, Manta, was so sweet to come on again and give us more time, which is just such a gift. So, for those of you, which I'm I'm hoping those of you, and I'm sure anyone in sports would know who he is, but those of you who may not know who Manta Teo is, he is a legend in American football, and he was a linebacker and saw a, you know, a totally dream, swoon-level career. I mean, he was one of the first Uh, He was the number one draft pick out of high school from Kuhuku High School, where I live here on the North Shore. My own sons go to school. And he ended up um, moving on to college football and being an absolute star and a treasure um, in Notre Dame. And then went on to play professional um, football. And uh, and, and, and basically he was, you know, uh, he was a finalist for the Heisman Award. I mean, he's just had one of those successful careers that that anyone would dream of in sports, um, pursuing his passion, his work ethic and his humility and his unabashedful um, beauty of, of living out his faith has inspired the country. And with recent um, scandal that took place um, where Manta was a, a victim of what's called catfishing, there was a, a story there where there was a fake online persona created to actually put him in a position of vulnerability that that really um, damaged him in significant ways. And a documentary's been made on Netflix where Manti actually shared his story. So we had the chance to talk a little bit about this. So hopefully today we can go a little deeper and share some of the things that those who were present at our conference got to hear. But Manti, thank you so much for coming on to our show. We're so grateful to have you.
1: Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I appreciate the time. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Absolutely. So Manti, you um, t- tell us a little bit about you know, where did you get this Herculean work ethic? Because, you know, um, I watched the documentary and then we talked a little about it on stage, but, you know, you're you're unreasonably hardworking, right? Like you are an absolute outlier achiever. Where did this come from? And, and what do you want to share with our listeners about working hard and being accountable and the things that you've developed yeah. as deep virtues of your identity?
1: Yeah, so, you know, to understand the work ethic, I think you have to understand my background. Um, the oldest of seven children and, and Lindsay, you would understand this, um, growing up in La Ie, that area is not, it's not a, uh, a, a wealthy area to live in. You know, people live in, in very humble situations. Um, it is Hawaii, it is paradise, but paradise does have a cost. And so, um, we lived mm-hmm. in a three bed, one bath house. Um, there were nine of us in there, eight of us, eight, nine of us in there. And, uh. Me being the oldest, I understood very at a very young age that there comes a time where a bill is passed around in all of our lives, um, and on that bill has a price, and that price included in that price is the ability to change the circumstances of your family, and we all have the opportunity to pay it, and I knew that I was going to be that one. Um, I was going to be that one to pay that price, um, to take my family out of the situations and out of the circumstances that we were in at that time and to give them a better life. And so um, I learned a lot through my father and my mother and the sacrifices that they made on my behalf and my siblings behalf and watching my dad work hard um, and just being around the community um, of of workers. Uh, I remember when I was five years old, uh, my father asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up and I come from a football family. Uh, I come from a football community uh, Jess, if you've never been to Light that North Shore area, um, that local high school is it's 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 a special thing when football comes around. Um and I grew up there. And so when I was five years old, my father asked me what I wanted to do. I knew that I was gonna be a football player. Um, but it was his follow-up question that kind of put me on the path um that would lead me to overcome a lot of the things that I had to overcome and achieve a lot of the things that I achieved. And he asked me, he was like, do you just want to play football or do you want to be the best? And I responded with an answer that I felt every father would want to hear from his son. And I said, dad, I want to be the best. I had no idea what I was signing up for. Um, I had no idea what that entailed, but my father had a very clear plan. Um, And from that moment on, I watched my dad go to coaching clinics, coaching camps, um, to learn all he could about the game of football, to teach his son um what it took to be to to become the best in the state of Hawaii. And um, I remember I actually went to Punahou. I didn't graduate from Kohuku. And that was a hard thing for me because growing up in that community, I wanted to go to Kohuku, like my father did, my uncles did, my grandfather did. Um but that was one of those decisions where I understood that my, my path and my journey was different. Um, there were really? sacrifices that needed to be made. Um, and so my high school was Punahou. It was an hour and oh, a half where we lived.
0: I didn't realize. Yeah,
1: no, it's okay. See, we're learning. We're learning already. I know.
0: Because um, I'm like you at your group in and it's the football capital of yeah. America right here. Yeah. That's hey, amazing. I,
1: and so my, you know, when asked why, why Punahou, well, coming from our community, um, it was it was a football very strong football community. Um, but my father knew that if we could control anything, it was our football experience. The thing we couldn't control um, is our academic experience. Now, Kuku is is good at academics, but then you have Puno, which is known nas- nationally um, for their success academically. Um, Barack Obama came from that school, um, so that's where some of the alum that came there. So. My dad and his plan, and my mom and their plan—they understood that you know that was going to be one of the the, the 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 decisions that we had to make. Yeah. Um, but one of the biggest blessings about that decision was I had to wake up early early in the morning at four thirty in the morning every day. Um, we'd we'll drive hour and a half to school. I'd go to school. I'd go to football practice, um, and then we'd come home, and we wouldn't come home until nine p.m. at night. So I was gone. The sun, when I woke up, the sun was down. When I came home, the sun was down. Um, One of the most beautiful experiences is every morning when I got to wake up, I got to walk down that little hallway in our home and I got to see my sisters all crammed in a little room, sweating from the night before because we didn't have AC (laughs) in the home. Um, But they're just in a small little room, just sweating. And it was a reminder for me every day that the things that I was doing, the things the sacrifices that I was making and my family was making was to change the circumstances of our family. And so whenever I felt like my journey was getting hard, whenever I felt like days were getting long, I just remembered who I was doing it for, um, that I wasn't doing it for myself. And that's what pushed me. And that's what that work ethic came, where it came from was understanding that there are so many people that depend on me to make it.
0: That is so... Beautiful mantai, that when you know your why is strong, the how is easy. I, I think it, it it's not lost on me that so I'm hearing you say that as a young man, you really felt your financial um s- security or or purview of your family was like resting on your shoulders. Like you saw that there was this potential way to a different and better life. Um did your parents talk to you about it? Was it in set it was it in something you intuitively knew, you understood? Did they see that you had this incredible athletic prowess, and they were like, "Hey, we're gonna bet all in on red on man- Manti?"
1: Well, I didn't really. I was an athletic growing up. I did have an insane work ethic, and that had a lot to do with my dad. I didn't. I didn't question anything my dad asked me to do. Um, you mm-hmm. know, when he went to those football camps and those coaching clinics, and he would come home. And we'd be out in the yard, or we at the park, or at BYU running the fields and doing the drills. Um, I just every if my dad said jump, I asked how high. You know, I didn't never questioned anything that he would tell me. And so, <laughs> I was fortunate again to come from a family of really good football players. My grandfather was probably one of the original um, successes that came out of that community. Um, and so they, everybody in our community knew who my grandfather was my uncles, my mom's brothers they all knew who my uncle Keala was my uncle Lane my, my, uh, my uncle Walter because they were all standout football players in the 80s um, with Koku and so that was kind of my pedigree um, but I I wasn't the fastest I wasn't the strongest I I was sometimes in some cases the biggest um, but <laughs> my work ethic, um, my desire to push, because again, I remembered that if I don't, I just kept in mind that if I don't push, then my family's still in the same circumstance. And so it's always on me, you know, and if I have any control over that, I'm going to do everything that I can to change it. And I, I took that, I took that personally. And I, I knew that my family kind of knew the same thing because all of the resources were poured to me, um, in order for me to go and get the attention from college scouts. Um, at that time we didn't have colleges, didn't come to Hawaii, really. Uh, we had to come to the mainland. And one of the biggest camps was actually here in, in Utah, in Bountiful, Utah, the all poly camp. And back then a whole bunch of college cap- coaches would go to that camp. It was a full contact camp, but again, that, that ticket isn't cheap, you know? And so Mm -hmm. on race, um, and all my sisters sold the la three la for $10. Um, Mm. also that their oldest brother could go with my dad to these camps. And so again, like you're saying, you're, I'm starting to see like, okay, I'm getting all, there's so much investment in me to make You know what I mean, and it wasn't like it was any type of pressure. If anything, it was a blessing for me because it was like they they were they're depending on me. And what greater responsibility, what greater oh. mantle bear than to be like, okay, like I have it's on me now. You know, and so if you ever met my family, you would understand. Like we're such a close little gang, you know. <laughs> it's oh. It is. We've been doing all together, you know. And now we all live here in Utah. My father, my 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 parents. I bought them a house out here. They were actually the first to move here. They live on a golf course, seven beds, five and a half baths. You know, so air conditioning. <laughs> actually, all over there this past weekend with all of our extended family, and to see all my nieces and nephews running around in that house, and uh, one of my cousins, um, came up to me and um, he 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 actually married my first cousin, and he came up to me and he was like, "Bro, I didn't know this was your gift to your parents." And I was like, yeah, it's my gift. Um, you say, like, bro, that's what it's all about. And every time I'm over there at my parents' mm. house, it reminds me, I never forget where it came from. You know, I never forget that three bed, one bath house, no AC, you know, kosher is you know,
0: <laughs>
1: that house. It's almost like, you know, we've come so far, you know, and we have, we have so much further we can go. And that's what I'm trying to do with my kids.
0: Oh wow, that's incredible, man. Jess, what does this bring up for you?
1: Um, so many things. You know,
2: um it's interesting you talking so much about your father. Um when today when I knew this interview was coming out, I uh I reached out to a guy that I look up to a lot. Um, who was uh from a Samoan family that grew up in Hawaii and uh his name's is Tumwasawau. and uh your dad was just football coach. and. <laughs> And <laughs> uh, he just said that, you know, you're hometown hero and so much respect. And uh, well, you know, so I'm interested because them actually is a guy that I really went up to. We became friends in our early 20s, and he, um he, a, a great athlete, but um just like a respectful, like welcoming, kind human being, uh, but but also kind of a get done kind of guy. Funny enough, those in Utah now too. But, um, I'm interested, what kind of advantages do you think um, your Samoan background uh, brought to you as you uh, went down this path?
1: Yeah, so the Samoan culture um, is built on a few key pillars, and one of those is respect. Um, Respect, humility, hard work, and an understanding of hierarchy. I think that's one thing that I, that, that I have always appreciated about my culture is we understand who is, who is those individuals to show that respect. And growing up we we showed respect to everybody. You know, we showed love to everybody, unless you did something to us, you know, we never went into any interactions with anybody with these preconceived notions of, oh, this is so, and so we don't, we don't care. Yeah, we, we don't care about skin color. We don't care about economic background. We really don't care. All we care about is, are you a good person or not? And if you're a good person, like I can vibe with you. If you're not a good person, then that communication is going to be limited. But growing up, my father raised us under the Fa'asa way. It was to always be respectful, always to excuse yourself. When you walk in front of people that are talking. Um, always to sit lower than adults Uh, if my father was ever sitting down i never wanted to be above him i always wanted to be either a level below him or on the ground just to show him that respect It it went to those lengths and nowadays when we're around public it was funny we was at a park yesterday and we were filming some stuff um for nfl network and there was a little kid that came around he's like can you move they're like a little seven-year-old kid and i said you need some manners and he looked at me i'm so sorry i was like see there it is and so these understand it they, they know it it's just good to be around people that enforce it right and we don't have to be mean about it just sometimes teach them and i think that's one of the greatest blessings about having this platform is um seeing the youth and I think the youth is they're they're so um, bombarded with different things, right? And if I can teach them just a little bit of the things that I know, I don't know everything, um but just a few values that I've been taught from my Polynesian culture about being respectful, um about being disciplined, about working hard, honoring your parents. Um, I think that it can go a long way because I don't know anybody who's successful that never honored their parents. I don't know anybody that's successful that doesn't have discipline. I don't know anybody who's successful that isn't respectful. Um, and those things, I think, can take people a long way. And it's definitely taken me um, to the places that I've been.
2: I love that answer. As you're talking, I think, I mean, this is like 23 years ago now. Yeah. I, I remember these, But like he would talk about his grandpa all the time and like, going out fishing with his grandpa and like this he was like such a influence and sexual person in his life uh mm. it's it's making sense as we're talking here i think yeah. maybe my next question is you know coming out of notre dame i mean just such a sad success even for a school i mean those of us who aren't even maybe growing up on football we all watched the movie brooding right yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> hear about notre dame football right but just like like the cult of like it's almost its own religion right it's yeah, a, such a stand-up player there, going into the NFL, signing for millions and millions of dollars, and mm-hmm. then injuries. Yeah, can you talk about just the mental toughness and and that mental game of like, oh man, I thought I had made it, and here yeah. I have, you know, 20 Achilles, fractured foot, like the, these, you know, serious things where there's uncertainty looking at you. Can you yeah. talk about um, what was going to your head and, and what you? principles you feel like helped you overcome that
1: well it's 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 funny you bring up the the injuries because what was so weird was i i never had any serious injuries until i got to the nfl um throughout my college career i would have little nicks here little bruises here high school same thing um but i never broke my foot before i've never had my ACE, my MCL done the way they always done my meniscus, my rupturing, my Achilles. Right. Um, but it was, it's funny that you, you look back at, at these injuries that I've had, and you look at kind of how God kind of puts things in your path to teach you a certain lesson and how some, some injuries manifest themselves in a way that reflects what's going on internally. I remember when I, when I broke my foot as my rookie year, and I remember the uncertainty of everything that I was going on at that time, especially internally. And I strongly believe that when I when I broke my foot, it was because I was so uncertain. I was I wasn't confident in the steps that I was taking. And you could tell by the way that I moved on the field my first three years in the NFL, like yo, just so hesitant. And I know that because my body wasn't used to being that hesitant player, there there my body was just used to this confident dude that whenever I saw something, I was out. I was shot out of again and I'm gone. Got to the NFL. Mentally, I'm not there spiritually, emotionally, I'm not there Right? I'm, I'm battling this whole catfishing thing. And you know, my, my, my mental state isn't good. Um, and that reflected itself on the football field. And by the way that I was moving, I just wasn't moving as confident as I was. And I just happened to broke, break my foot. Now the Achilles was a different story because the Achilles was, I just, I just, started regaining my balance in life. I just started to feel stronger and started to feel like I was healing more um, from the ordeal that happened in 2013. Now it's 2016. I'm going in my contract year, my first two games, my contract year, I'm playing lights out. Um, I knew that a lot was riding on that year. And again, like how we started this thing off, like this was this was the thing that was supposed to change the circumstance of my family. You know, and, and I felt that type of desperation there. And so I made the changes and I saw the people that I needed to see. I saw my I saw a therapist. You know, I was doing everything. I, I was back in church, strong, you know, I was doing everything that I knew that I was supposed to do, that I would used to do when I was doing really well. Now, the first game comes. 10 plus tackles, the second game comes 10 plus tackles. And my DC met with me earlier that year before the year started. And he said, man, all I need is 16 games from you. As you know, 16 games in the, in the NFL season. He said, all I need is 16 games. So you play 16 games. He's like, we'll pay you. You'll be able to retire your parents, this and that, right? And so I was like, all right, I'm ready. Third game of the season, we're in Indianapolis. I plant my left foot. I wasn't hesitating. I was confident, I planted that thing and it pops. Now I'm on a field in Indianapolis and I'm like, okay, you know, why me? You know, now the why me start to happen. Um, I just just started to feel like I was about to make that turn and then the Achilles goes. And I'm like, (laughs) come on, you know, give me a break. Like I need, I've been battling this mental warfare Qualities. Now when I'm feeling like I'm starting to catch my stride and to catch my groove. Now this happens. You know, and that was a mental battle again. But had I not gone through the catfishing thing, I wouldn't have survived the Achilles. Because Achilles, in comparison to the, the the mental battle that I was facing from 2013 to 2015, it was it was it was nothing. Like at that point. The Manti that I was in 2016 had healed and had been had gained his strength back to where I was so mentally sharp that I could put things into perspective to use it to my benefit. Now, did I pout for a little bit? Yes, I did. You know, when I was laying on that field, ever since I was five years old, memories just started running through my head of the training Seeing my sisters in the house, you know, the Lao Lau sales, the the trips to Utah to go to the football camps, the college stuff, you know, I'm starting all of these memories are just rushing through my head as I laid on that field. And I remember my dad, he was the bishop at a at a YSA ward um at BYU Hawaii. And he was in the middle of the church, and my best friend texted my dad about what happened. And so my dad calls me, and I remember I'm in the in the locker room, the game's still going on, and I remember I just started crying. I was like, "Dad, I'm so sorry." You know, I'm like, "Oh, oh. Um, I told him I was sorry because I felt, I felt, I felt that I failed everybody at that and uh, my dad said the greatest thing he was like I don't care what you do you already made me proud and uh, that was the best thing I could hear at that point because I wasn't thinking about my achilles injury I wasn't thinking that my season was over I wasn't thinking that my career could have been over what I was thinking was my chances of changing my family circumstance was over. Um, but the greatest thing, again, I guess it's amazing how all of these situations work out. My sister was planning. She was preparing for her mission at that time. She was preparing. Um, and I remember I flew back to San Diego. And the very next day, my sister showed up at my house um, to take care of me. And I don't know if you've been around somebody who's preparing to serve a mission, but the spirit in them is so strong. And mm-hmm. I got to see God's love for me and how my sister cured me. Mm-hmm. And it was that experience with my sister that had my wife join the church. Believe it or not, I, didn't, I wasn't the best of examples for my wife, <laughs> um and her life and how she lived her life and how she served during those times in san diego that showed my what my wife what a god-fearing woman looks like and my wife loved it and so my wife joined the church at that time um and i finally made the changes in my life to take out my endowment so i went to the temple at that time um and all of that wouldn't have happened, Jess and Lindsay, had I not torn my Achilles.
0: Wow, and that's so
1: amazing. So uh, There's uh, blessings in it all, and like I said, like where I was mentally, I was so sharp that I could, I would put, I would try to find the lesson in it all, and I believe that that was my lesson was there was something far greater that I needed to achieve, and that was to take my take out my endowment and for my wife to get baptized and for us to get sealed when we got married you know and so you think of things in those terms and 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 um having that internal eternal perspective it was one of those things for for me to slow down and uh yeah that's where that came from just thank you so much for sharing
2: my I, I typically, Charles wants to cry on the world podcast. <laughs> yeah. me, he's probably ruined that for me.
1: Yeah, sorry. That came out of the blue. I wasn't expecting it to go to that story, but nah, I, remembering that experience, it was something.
2: Appreciate you sharing the the bear you know, if that that real truth is the most helpful to others. Mm-hmm. When you look at our is that real.
0: Oh Manti, your beautiful heart is just so evident. It's like you I feel like for as 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 built as you are and as beautiful as you are, like the your strength of character is so undeniable. And I think one of the things that touched me most about you was um when I when I learned your story was your story of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Because what happened to you with that scandal is like I hope it, you know, I don't think in any way it's going to define you. I know for a moment in a season it did, right? There was media everywhere. There were beams with you or with your arm around a pretend girlfriend. People accuse you of being somebody who was in on the fraud and monopolizing and be without understanding. And you've had a chance to clear the air and tell the story in that, that Netflix documentary, which anybody who hasn't seen it, I highly recommend. It's a beautiful story of the human resilient heart to, to, you know, forgo any of your own wrongdoing in um, because of others. I mean, really, what you did was you looked internal at your own internal world, and you shifted your way of being and loved despite all the calamity in the aftermath that came from somebody's recklessness with you um, and betrayal. And when we talked about on that stage, I know mm-hmm. you when you talked about that lack of sure footing. I mean, that's very powerful. This psychosomatic, you know um dynamic how our bodies express through what's going on in the spirit and in the internal world we all share the same faith on this call and um i mentioned and in, in in our conference as well you know for those people who are listeners and not of our same faith what i think they can't miss is you're just unabashedly being you you're living your heart and your truth the best you can can you share with us a little bit about that journey of forgiveness what you learned from that something that i think is just not only an eternal principle but Um, one of the profound pillars of, of capital T truths that every major world religion shares is this journey of, of forgiveness.
1: Yeah. And I I think that one of the most beautiful things about forgiveness is I think those who haven't forgiven, they're walking around with this weight that they're pulling, right. And they're getting tired and they're tired and they're tired and they're tired and they're trying to figure out why am I so tired? Why are my days a lot harder? Um, and forgiveness, what that does is it gives you the knife to cut it. And it mm-hmm. gives you the ability to cut those strings and to be free again. And when I was, after 2013, I realized that my a lot of the darkness was in was because I was holding on to this anger and I was holding on to this rage um, for this person for doing what I felt was just one of the worst things you could do to somebody who was really trying to help. Um, but what I realized was, okay, not only, uh, not only did this person, um, do this act to me, but now what I'm doing is I'm giving this person something that's way more important than that's my peace. And I needed to regain that peace in my life. And so in that desperation, I, I, it's like listen, well, we we I've been taught ever since we were little to, to forgive, to forgive, to forgive, to forgive, and I think a lot of times we're taught these things, but it's a lot harder to do them. And so, I remember the day I decided to forgive, my dad was on the call he, again. He was on. He was a bishop, right? And so it's funny. I always make the joke. It's like when you're the when you're the kid of a bishop, you always have two bishops. You have your bishop in your ward. And then you have your dad. (laughs) Um, and I remember my dad told me, he's like, son, you need to forgive the person. And I remember, I was like, you know what? Okay. And I remember I was at, when I met with my therapist, one of those questions was, did you forgive the person? I said, yeah, I did. He's like, how do you know? And I told him the story about when I was at a all-star game in Oceanside. And I was standing in the in in the end zone with a bunch of my friends, and we're watching this game. And probably like 30, 30 40 yards in front of me, I saw this young lady and and what looked to be her dad. And the dad was in a wheelchair. And I'm looking at. And I remember one of my friends comes over to me. He's like, "Bro, what's said, like, "What's going on?" I was like, "Oh, I'm good." I was like, "But that young lady right there looks so familiar." I said, like, "But I know I've never met her yet." He's like, and remember, my friend. His name is Timmy. He turns around and he grabs me. He's like, Sola, we can leave right now. I was like, Where will where will we leave? He's like, That's Renaya's sister. I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, those people who don't know so Renaya, or Renaya goes by Naya now. That's the person that is the headmaster of, of of this whole catfishing scheme, right? I was like, Oh, okay. I was like, "Well, is is Braniad here?" And I remember he was like, "Yeah, he's here." I was like, "Where?" Say like, on the other side of the field, I guess, in a booth taking pictures or whatever. And he's like, "So we can go, bro. We can go." I was like, "I'm good." And so that's how I knew that I had forgive mm. um, that person for doing what they did to me. Now. As I was going through this spiritual journey, I took it another to another step of um, understanding what my Savior would have me do. And when I took it to the spiritual side, that's what was like, it was the permanent transition for me. And when I started to understand what the atonement was and what the atonement is and how it works and how it just just freeze and how how much strength you get from it when you understand what it what it is um i knew what i had to do and i knew that my savior was the number one example of what forgiveness is and i always said this so we said this at the conference lindsey i asked you know what did the savior say when he was on that cross and everybody said forgive them for they know not what they do mm. and i stood there and i said well the greatest being to ever walk this planet just showed me what I needed to do, and that's what I'm going to do. Because when I go on to when I meet my Maker in the next life, I don't want to sit again, sit across the table, and him ask me, "He's like, man, to have all the nights you prayed for, prayed to me for forgiveness for all the sins that you made every day, and yet you couldn't forgive this person." And that's when I was like, okay,
0: mm-hmm.
1: forgiveness is the key for me forgiveness is my answer and so when i finally made that transition to forgive that's what that's what again gave me that 2016 i was oh i'm feeling good i'm feeling good and then achilles and so that's why the achilles was it was such a different injury to me because i already i had made all of those strides you know and so um yeah Forgiveness is the
0: best <laughs> and I it's so it's just like listening to chocolate, listening to your testimony, and you're new you really um you really understand what matters most, which is love. And I realize, you know, the more that I age and the more I understand, like forgiveness is just love. And weirdly enough, in my life, the things that I've had to overcome and forgive have have always come down to me actually forgiving myself. Like, at some point, I betrayed myself, or I didn't respond as loving as I could, or I was naive or whatever it may be, right? Mm-hmm. and And I thought about how you didn't have that sure footing. And it's like, yeah, I, after being betrayed that deeply by somebody that you built an intimate relationship with and you had connection with and you cared about and loved, to have that be, you know, and turn to an abusive and a weapon against you to to be used to harm you was so probably so difficult to like learn to trust yourself again. Right. So one of the things you talked about is that forgiveness of yourself. And you, and I wept when I saw that part of the film too, because I resonated with me so much. Like I, I actually think that for whatever reason, it's really easy for me to love people. That hasn't been a struggle for me. It's actually way harder for me to love myself. And like the greatest commandment is to love others as they love themselves so when you love yourself then you can hold people in their totality better but can you talk a little bit about how you finally gave yourself that compassion and and forgave yourself for whatever it may be been on the journey that led you into this position
1: yeah i think for a lot of people they don't understand that there is a self you know they're not even aware that they're a soul like they're a person that has feelings you know they're so I think for a lot of people, I, I think for a lot of people like us, it's just like we're so aware of everybody else and trying to make sure that everybody else is okay and make sure that everybody else is taken care of, that we fail to realize that the person that we didn't we need to make sure is okay the most is ourselves. Because I can't pour water into a cup that I don't have water in mine. You know? And so I need to make sure that I'm okay. And so I didn't realize how how much I blamed me for what happened in 2013 until I started to see that my therapist and then until my friend Wynne, my friend Wynne has a gift. Um, She's somebody I came across um, that would, she would do massages and she would do body work on me and she was the best, because she was so in, in tune with the body and she's somebody who meditates a lot. And I remember she was like, friend, I want you to meditate with me. I said, okay, I'll meditate with you. She said, okay. So we went through this meditation process. And I remember, um, I remember th- in my head, I had this, this vision and she kind of helped me picture this thing, right? She, like I was in the forest and it was cut out in, in a, in a triangle or sh- in a triangle shape. And I remember I'm standing at this one corner of the this triangle and on my left, is the older version of me, which is a lot older than I am now. And on my right was a little boy version of me. And I remember I'm standing at the apex of these two. And the very, very older version of me was quiet. Very, very wise, just kind of to himself. And the other one on my right, the younger one, was just very playful. Very, um, just... A kid that saw life and its beauties and was just happy to be there, and I remember my friend. I told my friend about that experience. I was like, "Yeah." And so I saw the younger version of me, version of me, and she's like, "What did you want to tell him?" And I told her, I was like, "I wanted him to tell. I wanted to tell him to be careful." And she's like, "Did you tell him that?" I was like, "No, I didn't tell him that." I was like, "It's important that you didn't tell him that because he." In order for him, in order for that little boy to get like that wise man on your left, he needed to go through what you went through in order to be like that. Wow. And so when I started understanding on that spiritual, like meditative realm, I was like, okay, everything that is meant for me, everything that happens to is meant for me. And it's always meant for my good, which is what we're always taught in church. Like everything... That is sent my way. One, I know that God will never send something to me that I can't handle. Two, that it's for my good. And it's always for my good. And so that I can be more knowledgeable. But more importantly, that I can be, I can have a bigger capacity to help and to love and to serve. And um, again, it just starts with the self though. And it starts with you being able to forgive that little kid on the right. So that he can become that mature, filled with wisdom man on the left. And so when I started to see that dynamic, I said, like, okay, I understand now that the most important person that I have to make sure that is, is okay is that little boy. And we all have that little boy or little girl in us that is always looking at the positive side of life. That always giggles, when." When they smell like the fresh baked cookies from mom, or like just giggles when they go to the- <laughs> you, right? We always love that little kid in us that's always there. It's that little yeah. kid that you have to take care of because once you damage that little kid, that's when you get started into getting into some trouble. And I've been in that, I've been in both sides. And so, yeah, forgiveness for yourself is probably the most important thing.
0: Wow, Mente, that's so profound. Jess, do you have questions to follow up on that?
2: Yeah, I know we're closing in on time. Um, you know, I'd love to hear, Mente, like you, you take all these lessons, whether it's discipline and tenacity and working party dream. the feel like it, overcoming obstacles, making stories about yourself. You know, in, in the next chapter of your life, you're being a real estate investor and things like that. Um, uh. What's one principle that you feel like has helped you? Like, let's talk about real estate. I love real estate. Uh, what's one aspect that you feel like has helped you make good decisions or approach it in the right way?
1: Well, it's all about. It's it's funny how athletics and life and 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 investments kind of parallel each other. It was like the work I do today, I may not see the results tomorrow, but if I do good work. I'm not going to make, I'm not going to be perfect. I may make mistakes today, but if I'm consistent and if I continue to go and I'm, if I'm resilient that I understand the only time that I fail is if I quit, you know, like that's the thing about people when they see failure, they're like, Oh, I failed. No, you didn't fail. Have you quit yet? No, then there's no mm-hmm. such failure then because as long as you don't give up, you'll never fail because all life is, is about learning. Like when I do stuff right, I gain the confidence that I need so that I can do it again. But when something doesn't go well or I make an investment um, that isn't that didn't make the returns that I wanted. Now I just gain knowledge of what I don't want to do the next time and what I could do better going forward. And so as long as you don't quit, as I taught my, my wife, we're always going to teach our kids, so I say, listen, Whatever you start, you're going to finish it. We're not going to be quitters because there's so many lessons you learn. Because as we all know, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. But if you quit, you'll never learn the lessons that the journey has to teach you. And so with real estate investment, with life, with athletics, just never give up. You know, those who are at the top of the game, you know, you, you know, Jess, Lindsay, you know, you guys are successful. Had you given up, we would never be on this podcast. I'm sure there were so many times where you stayed up at night like, man, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how, how this deal is going to close. But you had that choice at that time. It was like, do you just run from it? Do you quit or do you just duke it out? You know, and for me, I've always been that way of like, listen, it may not feel comfortable right now, but I know that what I'm doing is right. I know that what I'm doing is not just for myself, it's for my family. And if I can check off those two boxes, I'm going, you know, I'm just, there's no stopping me. I'm just going to figure things out. I'm going to adjust where I need to adjust, but I'm going to finish it, you know? And then when I finish that project, it's on to the next.
2: Right. I love that answer. Well, Linz, why don't you tell us a today?
0: Vance, hi. so you've got this beautiful family. And as I mentioned, you have this, uh, real af wife She's so cute <laughs> she's so basic um and you've got beautiful little children what is it that you know you hope for like to be kind of in the in the next phase of your life like i know real estate you've got business but you know how can we support you or our audience support you in your mission of the next what's next in your life i mean you're a fabulous speaker like do you want more opportunities to share your message do you hope to do more service is there like what how can people get behind your amazing energy and heart?
1: Well, I, I've been doing a lot of public speaking, um, especially since the Docker, documentary came out. So if anybody sees this my store and knows that I can help them, um, you know, feel free um to reach out to my agent um on UTA United Talent Agency. Yeah. Um if you need because I'm I told I think we discussed it over there at the MW three Lindsay. I was like, I found my passion. You know, I I don't feel comfortable at all, you know, all the time when I'm when I'm doing public speaking. Um, but I love when I'm connecting with somebody. And I love when I see that my my life and my life story is helping somebody on in their life and their life story. And it's almost like I remember when the documentary came out for the past 10 years of my life, I was like, man, Heavenly Father, like, what is my purpose, man? You know, like I'm trying to make a difference here, but nobody wants to know anything from the guy who got catfished, you know, like nobody cares, you know, <laughs> 16th happens. And it was, as, it was as if within, I would say two hours. Cause I remember people, in Europe saw it first or Australia they saw it first and within hours of that like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages of people have reached out saying that they were going through certain things mental health things um mm-hmm. whatever it is and watching that documentary gave them hope and it was like God told me it's like why had you go through what you went through this is your purpose and so when yeah. I when I have these these interactions with people and we get to hear like how you heard lindsay of of people who enjoyed the 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 speech or they enjoyed the conversation it's just like okay i love that and so how can we afford if anybody needs me to be there i'll be there um but if you can just go out in your daily routine and just tell somebody that they're loved man i think that that would be even better because <laughs> We can sit in a stadium full of thousands of people and they just tell one other person that they're loved. Imagine how that spreads. And I think if we could do that one person at a time, we could make this world a better place.
0: Oh, man, I'm in! Come on. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show with us today. and Jess, thanks for co-hosting with me. So much guys. love to you both.
1: Thank you. You too, Lindsay. Do you
0: need help with the next steps for your financial plan? Think Capita. Capita is a financial network built around you. They have a team of financial advisors, CPAs, estate attorneys, Medicare providers, and social security experts to help you accomplish your financial goals. Call to schedule a complimentary consultation at 801-566-5058, or visit their website at www.capitafinancialnetwork.com. You can also check out their financial education podcast, The Financial Call, available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and YouTube.